this is the first time I'm saying this, but I'm now comfortable saying that I'm trying to build the first tech unicorn built by a black woman. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you're all doing great. I am currently drinking some white wine in my living room, which has a very new cozy vibe to it. Uh, Over the past few weeks, some changes to the lighting and arrangement of the furniture went into effect, and honestly, it completely transformed this part of my apartment so much so that I never want to leave it. I'm always in here, even when it's light outside, (laughs) which may not be a good thing, but I really love this little nook and you know winter blues are real so warm lighting plants and textures truly make being inside bearable and you know keep in mind i was on an ikea budget and it all came together beautifully so if you're somebody who is living somewhere cold and gloomy right now i highly recommend that you just put aside some money you know, it could just be $5 here, $10 there, enough where you have like, you know, enough to go get yourself a nice pillow or some nice lighting and, you know, invest in your space. I I come from the crazy outside world into this little nest and all of my problems seem to dissipate. So, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money you just need to have a vision and some creativity which we all have and it'll come together beautifully before we get into this week's interview i want to give a shout out to hazel843 who left a review on the apple podcast app saying i'm always left with a positive and valuable lesson after every episode in a world with so much negativity it's so important to have these kinds of platforms thank you cat for everything that you do Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for giving me the pleasure of knowing that my work is resonating and means something to somebody out there. So honestly, trust me when I say that it means a lot that you're listening right now. For those of you who haven't yet left a review, please go and do so for a chance to get shouted out next week. I have a goal of reaching 100 reviews before the end of the year, and I am only 15 reviews away from making that happen. So please, please, please help me get there. So on this week's episode, I chat with founder and CEO of Nudist, Atima Louie. Atima is badass. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you all a rundown of her entire bio. (laughs) Atima was born to a Sudanese refugee father and a black activist mother in Topeka, Kansas, where her dark skin tone never quite fit in with the standard of beauty in her community. Today, as founder and CEO of Nudist, Atima sells machine learning skin tone matching software as a service to beauty and fashion brands. Nudist's patent pending technology matches products brands sell online to their customers' unique complexion. Named one of CIO.com's top 20 female entrepreneurs to watch, Atima led digital brand marketing at Walmart US before graduating from Harvard Business School in 2016 with her MBA. Atima has experience working for Google, YouTube, and Apple in online 
in online ad sales, product marketing, and media roles. She earned her BSBA from Washington University in St. Louis, where she started a profitable full-service hair, nail, and tanning salon targeted toward multicultural customers while triple majoring in international business, marketing, and Spanish. Atima is also a graduate of Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts. Okay, yes, she did all of these things. She is absolutely badass, and we get into an amazing, amazing conversation. We cover how nudist merges beauty and tech, the effects of colorism and Atima's beautiful self-love journey, building a tech unicorn, and so, so much more. If there's anything shared that you think someone you love can truly benefit from, press that share button and spread the wisdom. Without any further delay, here's my chat with Atima. Hi, Atima. Thank you for sitting down to chat with me tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get to know more about you and your journey. We met here at The Wing through a mutual friend, and she was just like raving about you. And then we kept talking, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's great. And we like, <laughs> we just talked for a while. And then we've kind of maybe a little kept up online, but like haven't, I haven't actually bumped into you yeah. since then because you're so busy doing all the amazing things that you're doing. Um, and I want to hear all about it. And I want everybody that hasn't gotten to know you before to like fall in love with, with the work that you're doing and Aww. you and your story. So, um, yeah, I want to start off with, uh, getting to know what you were like as a kid. Oh yeah. Atima as a kid. I don't know if I would be friends with her. <laughs> to be honest. Why? <laughs> so Atima as a kid was very much a teacher's pet mm. one of my earliest memories of life is being in pre-kindergarten and being sat down at like an all-school meeting and knowing that everyone was supposed to be quiet but all the other classmates near me were fidgeting and moving around and the teacher was like keep still be quiet and I just remember shushing everyone <laughs> around me and just thinking, why can't they keep still? You know, so that tells you a lot about me. <laughs> Very much a rule follower. <laughs> but also my childhood, I grew up in Topeka, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people looked like me, except for my immediate family. I have a wonderful older sister. And I have always looked up to her. She's my best friend, a wonderful role model. And then I have a younger brother who at first I was annoyed to have. But now <laughs> he's like my best friend. He actually is the CTO of my company. Amazing. So I have wonderful siblings. Um, we're a really close-knit family. And I think a big part of that is being black in a white space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I went to a school where... There were years where there were no other black people in my grade. Wow. Um, eventually, there was like one other girl, no black guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Atima growing up, I think I think that's part of the reason why I was such a rule follower. Mm. Like if we really think about it, right? What do you mean? Wanting to fit in somehow. Yeah. Get gold stars somehow. Yeah. Be great somehow if I felt ugly, you know, mm. pre-Instagram, pre-social mm -hmm. media, yeah. where beauty to me was Seventeen Magazine, yeah. which is, well, was very, very white, yep. you know? Yeah. So subconsciously, was probably feeling like, okay, this is something I can do. I can do academics. If I can't be beautiful, I can be smart. Mm -hmm. And when you think back on it, um, as an adult, 
you know, you're growing up in this environment and you're trying to establish yourself, trying to figure out who you are in this world, how you move in this world. And this is the kind of space that you are in. And when you think back on it, how do you think that impacted your self-esteem and your sense of self? Because like you're saying, like you thought that you were ugly, but, you know, given your strong foundation at home, you know, how did that teeter? Because at home, I'm sure you felt beautiful. But when you went out into the world, you thought, otherwise yeah no you hit it right on the head I mean it was a constant ebb and flow a back and forth like some days I felt really confident in who I was and other times I felt ugly that is truly the word um I think about Halloween third grade I wanted to be Cleopatra and my Afrocentric communist mother is like yes let's do this you know and the costume came with this black wig that had this like long straight hair and my hair was short my Mm -hmm. hair is short now it was short then at that time um I was Mm prepubescent you know and I was so excited about the opportunity to put on long hair you know for Halloween um because I thought okay this is a day that I get to be beautiful Mm -hmm. and my mom told me she was like you are not wearing that wig you're fine just how you are Mm. you're gonna wear like this cool head wrap that Mm -hmm. it comes with Mm -hmm. that's gold and has this snake but it's just gonna be your short hair and I was devastated I was Mm. so upset you know I had the darker the darkest skin and shortest hair of any girl in school but even like on tv Mm -hmm. (laughs) like anyone who I knew Mm -hmm. you know and I was so mad at my mom for making me be ugly that day Mm -hmm. now I look back at the photo and I'm like oh mom you're the best (laughs) you know yeah but that subconscious Mm self-bullying you know Mm -hmm. um really runs deep yeah um but there were also times that I felt really happy to be an individual and to be different um and so it was a back and forth and I think I'm finally I'm 28 and it's Mm -hmm. like I'm finally at a point where I'd say 95% of the time I feel beautiful and 5% I feel less than yeah so I'm constantly working on it it's a practice and um at what point did you realize that it was something that was still lingering because Mm. You know, these are things that are established when we're young and you would assume like, oh, this is just something that stays like within their childhood, a person's childhood. And it's not true. Those are the building blocks of like how we see ourselves as adults. And for me, at least, like I've had to go on a journey of like self-acceptance and like, you know, really trying to love my body and all that because of all these things that I was told when I was younger. And I didn't realize that it was a problem, Mm. that it was an actual like negative hateful self-talk that was going on inside until maybe like a year and a half ago so Mm. up until then i wasn't even trying to heal because i thought that it it was normal did Mm. you ever have a moment like that where you're just like Mm. actually something's off here i need to heal yeah definitely you know it was subconscious for so long you're right i didn't realize it was a problem um until i started looking at it and saying no this is the wrong way of thinking Mm. And honestly, for me, it was when I decided to build my company, Mm -hmm. Nudist. Mm -hmm. Um, Our mission is to change the standard of beauty to match the full range of human diversity Mm -hmm. in everyone's skin. Mm -hmm. And so the way I got to that mission was by going inside and thinking, what is the impact I want to have on the world? 
what is something unique that I can bring, unique value? And it was in a meditative session. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with a group of um, entrepreneurs, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was not a self-proclaimed entrepreneur at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed how much people were driven by passion and driven by something deep inside themselves. And so I said, okay, what can I connect to? What is my purpose? And I had my eyes closed, I was meditating, and then these tears just came down my face because it was so clear to me that my purpose is to improve the confidence of dark-skinned women and girls. And that purpose comes from, I realized, my own struggles, you know? And it just like hit me, all of these anecdotes of like, wearing hosiery that just made my legs look ashy and like literally putting on white skin and you know for me some of the most painful moments in high school or college or whatever was how I just didn't match the mold and trying to grow my hair long enough you know to look good enough and just deciding you know what I'm just gonna accept myself and so timing wise this was three years ago, four years ago, and um, I was very much an adult who's not a teenager yeah. anymore. Yeah. And how can we accelerate that moment for other people yeah. so that they don't have to go through all of their adolescence yep. thinking they're ugly and that they need to match some other standard? Yeah. It's funny that um, people typically say, like, your mess is your message. So it's like the thing that you've been struggling with the most in your life is usually the thing that you try to like prevent other people from having to go through because it's such an Mm. intimate feeling that you know the pain that comes with that that you're just like I need to help you not feel this way and it's um inspiring that you were able to tap into that and and see yourself and other women and try to heal them or just try to give them representation because that's part of it it's just like like I just need to see myself so that I know I'm not alone yes. because it's that that feeling of being alone that makes you feel isolated and like weird and ugly or this mm-hmm. or that and you know what the work that you're doing is literally combating that and um it's it's just I think truly inspiring and beautiful and um I think that you know those that are listening right now if they don't know what their passion is right like oftentimes like people are just like how do i find my passion it's like Mm -hmm. exactly what you did maybe not in that exact way but tapping into that thing that feeling where Mm -hmm. you're just like what can i do forever that i'm never i'm not going to get tired of doing because it's like so deeply rooted in my soul and Mm -hmm. like my existence you know um so yeah, I just needed to like throw that out there. You are just out here like really like <laughs> this is transformative work. Thank you. And you know, to piggyback on those thoughts about helping people figure out what their passion is. The other thing too is sometimes it's that thing that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. The thing that you're really afraid of, that's just being afraid of your power and leaning into that fear and saying, "Okay, I'm afraid." that means I probably should do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, at least for me, everyone's experience is different. But like, yeah, I was like, this is my purpose. I got excited for a second. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And had all of these moments of self-doubt yeah. and, you know, being afraid. But that's just part of the journey. And then how did you get over that? Like, were there any Ooh. tools that you like turned to or any books, any people like or exercises that you had to go through to like let to get out of your own way, essentially? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, so many things. I think 
literally on the startup journey for me it was finding the right mentors Mm -hmm. and that usually looks like other entrepreneurs um, who've been through what's called the messy middle Mm -hmm. of building a company Mm -hmm. it's exciting when you think of the idea obviously it's exciting if you were successful and you can say oh I sold my company for a billion dollars but all the real work is what happens in between and people who have built something are so familiar with that whether they were successful or not those are people you want to talk to have in your corner yeah I feel really blessed that my biological family is so supportive Mm -hmm. but for people who feel like their family isn't as supportive you can have chosen family who basically kicks your butt and says you don't get to quit yeah yeah that's critical that's you know sometimes I think people think they can do it on their own Mm-mm. and it's not it's not the case like sure like maybe you birthed the idea or something but mm-hmm. you got to execute now it's not it can't just sit as an idea yeah. and if you if you like you let your ego get in the way and don't ask for help then it's just it can never be you know so mm-hmm. i'm sure like throughout this experience like you have mentors and even you said like your brothers your cto mm-hmm. and this is a collaborative effort as much as it was like you tapping into your feeling and like understanding the importance of this work like if you hadn't turned to the people around you and like said like okay i need help making this a thing then you wouldn't be actually able to impact yes. the women that you would want to impact yes and i think that's so critical for people to understand um that you just can't do it by yourself you can't do it by yourself And on top of that, don't be afraid to share what it is that you're working on Mm. because for emotional reasons, you might want to not talk about it because you feel not legitimate enough. Yeah. But getting your idea out there and having people tear it apart, build it up, help you really refine it, like that can't happen in your head alone you need to like have it in front of other people Mm. so that emotional side of just like reducing your ego and being like okay I'm gonna tell you about what I'm working on yeah but then also for practical reasons it's just a good startup tactic to get help and not be afraid of someone replicating what you're gonna do because you said it yourself like you have to execute and the big secret in startup land is that execution is the hardest part So many people thought of Uber, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because people always say like, like protect your dreams, like don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you, I don't really know how to balance that where it's like, that's Mm. actually like advice that I hear a lot. Like protect your dreams, like don't talk about it. Only tell people once it's happening. And it's just like, how is it going to happen if I don't talk about it? You know, but then it's like from your end, like you're actually in this and you're just like, well, I actually need to talk about it or else nobody's going to be able to help me make this real Mm -hmm. so what would you like what would you say to that kind of advice is it bs oh that's such a great question (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my gosh conflicting advice so i think it depends on what you're building i would say the vast majority of the time it's so good to get other people's uh feedback on what it is that you're doing and not just build it in a black box yeah because what we know is that whatever you're thinking about is wrong and as soon as you get it in front of a customer, it's going to change mm. or get it in front of a stakeholder of some kind. It's yeah. going to need to change to be better. And I'm also working in software. 
So like the software industry, that's just totally the way to go. You know, example being like Gmail, you know, it was in beta for so long. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I guess the way they controlled it was like you used to have to have an invite from another user in order to get it. Uh, okay. You know, but yeah. constantly improving it until they were finally like, okay, it's good enough to not be yeah. beta anymore. Yeah. And so even the biggest, most successful companies do it um, in that software space. Yeah. But I think the same is true for most things people are building today. You don't want to be alone. You mm-hmm. want community. Mm-hmm. You want advice. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not shouting it on the rooftops and creating an Instagram account, but it probably looks like finding someone and reaching out to someone and having a coffee chat. Yep. Yeah, that's totally okay. I do think that a lot of times, hmm, nowadays I, I do th- I do sense that um, people launch things prematurely because they just want like the feeling of like i'm doing something Mm. and they shy away from like the behind the scenes work which Mm. is the part that like nobody really talks about or showcases because you know often we just see the success we just see like the profiles we just see all of the um the outcomes but we don't see the other side of it and i think that people are trying to chase the feeling of like look at me i'm worth something look at me i'm smart and they don't understand like that's not what's going to fulfill you necessarily or make you the money that you're looking for um so i think that that's really important that you're touching on that because yeah a lot of times it is behind the scenes for a while but until you clarify what it is and then you can go out confidently and be like, nope, I've already tested this. Can't tell me anything about my idea because <laughs> like, I already heard it from all these people who I trust and yeah. who know what they're talking about. And um, I sense that, like, that you've done that for a while with mm-hmm. Nudist, haven't you? Definitely. We've pivoted so many times, which I'll definitely talk about. And I just want to talk more about what you were saying about not wanting to encourage people to just post something or do something to say, oh, I've done it to get that like, like like dopamine rush but then not actually focus on executing not welcoming the negative feedback like see that as part of the product development process Mm. and actually something that we really focus on at nudist you know we've been building our technology for almost three years now and um, whenever something goes wrong or whenever someone gives us negative feedback, we say like, Eureka, like this is great. We just failed. Like yeah. now we know what's wrong. Yeah. Let's go fix it. Yeah. And that's just going to make us even better. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you can't know what to fix if you like turn away from it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like your baby, you know, it's not easy yeah. to like accept that something's wrong with it, but it's just like, if you really love it, then you would know that that's the best choice always is to like fix the things that could possibly diminish the experience that you want your customers to have with your baby, with your brainchild, you know? And I just, I, yeah, I think that's just so important because when I look at these kinds of conversations, I don't know, maybe like it's just a social media thing, but I don't think a lot of people talk about this. Yeah, I don't think they do. Um, The other thing is that I think the prevalent notion is that to be a founder is glamorous. Yes. You know, and like to your point about like, it's not just like, let me show you my great life. Like it is hard. Yes. Like the great thing about building my company, I'm sure the great thing about building chats with Kat Mm -hmm. is like you learn so much and it's so rewarding. But the truth is, the reason you learn so much and the reason it's so rewarding is because that teacher of like failure yep. is super difficult. <laughs> you, If you keep moving forward, you just have to learn and you have to be better. Yeah, It's like 
it, the experience just molds you mm. with fire yeah. and um you know the way to keep getting through that and pushing forward is to have that support of the friends the family the right people the community around exactly. you advisors but you know it's not about wanting to be some like glamorous influencer it's not the work is not glamorous like yeah. 99% of it is not glamorous and yeah. i think that's important for people to know yep it's late nights it's like research it's you know, whiteboarding an idea a million times and like running back and forth and pivoting a ton of times and contemplating and questioning mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, it's like, that's really it. The most amazing structures and businesses and companies that we see now, the founders all went through that, mm-hmm. you know, all of it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, in this era of like social media influencers and like just looking like you have everything put together. This is something that is never like being a founder, like being an entrepreneur, it's just like never going to be glamorous if it's real. And if it's like a really good idea that's executed properly. Yes. There's no way it was glamorous to get there. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing I've learned, too, is if you're building a true innovation, something that's truly never been done before that's just going to be even harder as a journey. It doesn't mean it's not legitimate to do. Mm. It just means that you're signing up for an even more steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. You know, we're building artificial intelligence. It's pushing technology where it's never been before. And so the journey looks a lot more messy than if I were to launch a makeup line, for example. There's distribution channels that exist makeup exists you know it's a thing that exists i'm creating a new category um so at nudist what we're building is artificial intelligence that analyzes your skin tone so you take a selfie and we say hey here are the makeup products that match your shade of nude and that's really powerful as america is browning but it's also just powerful for anyone who wears makeup and has a skin tone which is everyone (laughs) everyone has a skin tone so um we find it to be um an issue that doesn't just resonate with you know my initial passion which is dark-skinned women and girls Mm -hmm. it resonates with everyone and we empower beauty brands with the data Mm -hmm. you know that they need Mm -hmm. in order to be inclusive to provide products that Mm -hmm. match the full range of human diversity and skin yeah i love that how did you find your way to tech and and beauty in particular because that could have gone in so many different ways how did you know that this was the avenue that you wanted to take was it something that was always like kind of in the background or something that you wish existed and you were like might as well do it Hmm, great question so this is not where we started. Um, the place I started was, okay, I'm passionate about dark-skinned women and mm-hmm. girls. Started doing research, to mm-hmm. your point about no glamour. You know, <laughs> Let me do some research. Yeah, And I came across the statistic that 84% of the global population does not match the traditional color nude. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not the minority. You mean I'm the majority? Like, mm-hmm. mind blow. Mm-hmm. So then what's a business you can build around that? And my brain went to um, models I've seen before, which Mm is I'm going to manufacture my own products. And then I decided to show other entrepreneurs that idea. I said, I'm going to make, I said, nude shoes, actually, Mm -hmm. and multiple shades of nude. Um, So, you know, fashion, that is a shoe that works with all skin tones and isn't just when you Google nude shoes today, like beige. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And... 
entrepreneurs were like, okay, that's cool. But like, what's going to be your secret sauce? How are you going to match people to those products? Like you should build an algorithm. So just kept like pushing this idea of, I need an algorithm. I need an algorithm. Yeah. Um, and I was so blessed that my brother graduated from college. He graduated from Morehouse college. He was the president of his computer science club, math minor. Um, he graduated when I graduated from business school. So we were both just on my parents' couch mm-hmm. <laughs> one summer, you know, it's 2016 and building the first version of this algorithm. He was like, oh, that's an interesting technical problem. <laughs> and then we like launched this website. We partnered with other people who were already manufacturing products mm-hmm. in different shades of nude. And we were like, oh, we're going to have this widget called nude meter and it's going to match you to these products and we thought we were going to be a retailer wow and we thought the technology was more like just a nice thing on the side to help you navigate our retail options Uh but moving forward we realized technology is a massive problem to figure out on its own yeah um we've been fortunate to have quite a bit of press and all the press was about the technology more than the products we were selling Mm -hmm. and so we said okay there's a lot here in the technology there's a lot of proprietary work we can do it's harder but that means more value yeah and this is the first time I'm saying this but I'm now comfortable saying that I'm trying to build the first tech unicorn built by a black woman yes so if not the first, one of, you yeah. know, I'd also be happy if I was like the third, the fourth, the fifth, yeah. whatever. If there yeah. were other women who were black, who were already in that category, yeah. billion dollar tech company, yes. that would make me happy. Yes. Um, but I would like to be in those ranks. Yes. Throw it out there. It's going to happen. Like universe heard you. She's like, I got you. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you. <laughs> oh, that's so badass. And it's like, you know, oftentimes um, I talked about this in my last episode, but um Daniel Pink has a new, well, it's not a new book. I think it came out in 2016. Um, basically, it's called The New Mind, where he's like talking about the future of like leaders in the world. Like the way our society is going is leaning not to linear thinking people or operational minds. It's more leaning to like the right brain and like people who have big picture ideas and who can create systems that people don't even know they need yet those are going to be the people that are going to succeed. The people who can tap into their artist's mind and can make something out of nothing and something that cannot just be downloaded into a computer. Unlike the past where society is just like, oh, like if you're good at math or you're good at like operational things, like if you're good at law or reading or this or that, there's like only like a few certain categories that are like, you are going to make it. Whereas now our future is kind of leaning more towards, are you tapped in? Are you tapped into your passion? Are you tapped into creating systems that are going to transform the way that we interact in this world and this is absolutely that because people don't even know they need it Mm. until it happens and you're just like oh my god oh my god this is exactly what i needed and you can confidently purchase a product or something without being like oh my god am i gonna have to return this Mm -hmm. am i gonna and then also accessibility this is just like serves so many more people in the world yeah. And people don't even know they need it. So like, that's how you know. That's <laughs> totally. You know. Thank you. Thank yes. you. And also, it's also like an idea that's just like, duh, this should yes. exist. You know, yes. it's simple, but also it's something that not a lot of people have thought of or are talking about. So it has both of those aspects. To or maybe it. if they thought about it, they didn't execute. Hey. Hey, <laughs> which you are doing. So that's it. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> you got to execute. You got to do the hard work. You got to do the hard work. So 
Let's go back. Sure. So after high school, you went off to your top pick of uh, Washington University, right? Yes. And you joined an entrepreneurship program and you majored in international business, marketing, and Spanish. Yes, I did. Which is very cool. (laughs) And there you ran a full service nail, hair, and tanning salon. And it was during this time that you made the decision to cut off all of your hair. Mm -hmm. Um, What was going on through your mind during that time? Like what made you want to just like completely be in your body and like not have anything to hide behind? Oh, such a good question. Well, um, I would sit at my salon most days of the week. And um, surprisingly, I thought we'd have a lot more women customers, but we had a lot more men who came to see the barber, which makes sense, right? Guys tend to get their hair cut more often. And so I just kept seeing the barber, like cutting all these people's hair. And it just reminded me of that time in third grade when it had been my mom's idea to cut off my hair. And I had been so upset with her eventually I grew it back out because I was like oh I'm in Kansas all these people think I'm a boy I'm ugly Mm. you know but I was just reminded like oh yeah I used to have short hair too and also this was the beginning of the natural hair movement yeah and so people were doing the big chop yeah but for me it wasn't the big chop like I'm gonna cut my hair off and then grow it out it was just like I'm gonna chop it and keep it short and so what actually convinced me the final like moment I was like I'm gonna do this was uh for my dad's birthday we went to an Usher concert Ooh, (laughs) I love Usher so much still do he has a new (laughs) album out um oh he does I know I didn't even know yeah you go listen to it yes it sounds like the old stuff love it what (laughs) oh my god yeah good R&B and one of his dancers had a short cut she had dyed it blonde mine's not dyed but I told my dad I was like oh what do you think of her haircut and he was like oh it looks good it's like yeah I think I'm gonna do that so the next week I was just at my salon the barber didn't have any appointments in that moment he put my hair in a ponytail and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. He's like, are you sure? And then he cut off my ponytail. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's like, no going back now. Yes. <laughs> and I have not had long hair since I've had short hair since that moment. I don't even know how many years it's been now, like mm. six, seven years. Wow. Um, I can't see myself really growing my hair out much more. Yeah. Um, and there are just some practical benefits. Yes. Like, <laughs> as I'm sure I'm going to keep it real. Like one of the things that I got so excited about is I started taking what I call white girl showers. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah, I can just get in the shower. Like, it's fine. Yes. I don't have to think about anything. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a privilege. Don't have to wrap my hair, put on all of the like shower caps. Like, oh my God. No? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. You can actually like feel the water, like hit your scalp. Yes. This makes a difference. I'm sure. Yes. But also I truly felt like unencumbered, like Mm. lighter, literally, Mm. but also spiritually lighter. Mm. And I'll be honest, like I didn't always get a positive reception. I remember like literally having dudes be like, oh, you look worse. (gasps) Um, Someone who shall remain nameless, who is a black woman, told me I looked like a cancer patient. Oh, my the self-hatred is real. Wow. Wow. Mm. That makes me sad. Yeah. Right? That's not, yeah. 
And at the same time, like fast forward, now everyone's like, oh yeah, this is totally cool and mm-hmm. like awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was such a big moment for me. I called on um, memories of Alec Weck, the first African a supermodel on the cover of a magazine, yeah. you know, and remembered how excited my dad had been to see a country woman, you know, South Sudanese woman on the cover. My dad cares not a single thing about fashion, <laughs> you know, but like that was a moment. And I just yeah. thought, yeah, you know, that's who I am. That's who I identify with. That's the standard of beauty that matches me. Yeah. I've never looked back. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing because so often, you know, women and like our womanhood is inextricably tied with like hair and like makeup and beauty and all of this stuff. And it's empowering to know like you just defined it for yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not beautiful because I fit into a certain mold. Like I'm beautiful because I'm me. Yes. And I'm curious to know how you actually felt seeing yourself in the mirror and having to like face yourself and all of those thoughts you had mm-hmm. about how beautiful you were or how not beautiful you were mm-hmm. and making the decision to face yourself boldly because I think a lot of times people want to take a step like that and they're just like I'm too afraid to see myself yeah definitely I mean the first couple weeks of my short hair I would do like a full face of makeup mm-hmm. and you see me now I don't have any makeup None. on and you look beautiful <laughs> thank you thank you but that was because of how hard it was to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and I just wanted to make sure no one thought I was a boy which mm-hmm. is ridiculous mm-hmm. but like I wanted to make yeah. sure people thought I was still a woman yeah. and I feel very femme and I wanted that to still come out in my identity and I was concerned about what other people thought Mm -hmm. and yeah I won't lie like the first couple weeks kind of sucked yeah but every once in a while someone would say oh I like that and that would be a little bit of encouragement Mm -hmm. but then also the the thing is that when you accept yourself it actually is so much easier than all of the energy I was applying to try and make myself someone I was not yeah and the only way to even feel that is to try it out, is to try being yourself. Push through the first couple weeks or whatever it might be for you that feel uncomfortable to get to that place where you're just like, oh my gosh, I am i don't think about it anymore. Yeah. This is something that never even comes to me. And I know if I was, for me personally, if I was trying to grow my hair longer than it's really meant to be, if I was trying to straighten it, um, I know some women choose to do that, more power to them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's beautiful and makes them feel connected to their beauty and mm-hmm. their identity mm-hmm. for me this is who I am and mm. it's so clear that's amazing that's um so ugh, just beautiful to know that that there's somebody out here like just like fully embracing herself and like living in her truth because I think a lot of us are trying to like get there you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes it feels impossible and knowing yeah. that you're just like no girl like been there <laughs> and now I'm here and I'm not looking back and I'm super confident it's like and i can see it i can sense it radiating from you like it's like not only are you just like the super boss entrepreneur but it's like you are you are comfortable and you're happy with who you are and um and you've done the work so it's like okay that means that if you do the work you can see the other side of it mm-hmm. you know and i think a lot of times it feels like it's never gonna end mm-hmm. we're just like i'm always gonna look in the mirror and be like uh or whatever and it's yes. just like okay no there's gonna be a time where you know, I'll look in the mirror and be like, no, I actually, I love you, you know? Mm, definitely. And like remembering these these seasons of suffering mm. have a purpose. Mm. 
you know like maybe you don't understand it now but it's gonna really pay off in a big way maybe it'll make that moment of self-love even deeper because you remember how much more painful the other side was yeah and you know like I feel like I'm in a good place with my journey but I think of it as a journey as a practice like you know I said I'm like 95% there like there's still times when those thoughts of oh I don't look good enough or whatever they're they're still there Mm -hmm. and it's just learning how to ignore them yeah you know yeah practice yeah oh that's um I I hear you I hear (laughs) you have you ever had days going back to your entrepreneurial journey where you have thought this is just way too hard like you turned down an opportunity to work at Apple and global marketing and to move to California and all of that and you're out here just chasing your own purpose your dream and you're making something that has never been seen before are there ever days or have you ever had a day where you're just like I don't know if this was the right decision where like certain things just like didn't play out back to back the way that you would have hoped that they would all the time really (laughs) all the time um those moments happen less and less Mm -hmm. over time Mm -hmm. but it happens I mean I can give you a million different examples. Um, Pivoting in the early days, trying to refine and figure out what is my business, where is the opportunity, what is the best way to do this, who are the people I need on my team to execute, firing people, hiring people. You constantly as an entrepreneur have to make decisions with incomplete information. And that's not just incomplete information about your present, but especially thinking about the future. Like, where's the beauty industry going, you know? Like, thank God for Rihanna, we have Fenty Beauty now. And now everyone's like, well, duh, it makes sense to do what I'm doing. But I started working on this before Fenty Beauty and trying to convince not just myself, my team, but like investors Mm -hmm. that there's an opportunity to develop technology that is going to be really powerful for people of color and pale people who have felt left out of the beauty market, but actually also it's relevant for everyone in between Mm -hmm. because everyone wants to shade match. I mean, that's hard. That's a hard sell to make when beauty executives have been saying things like, well, black people are 7% of the United States population. They're a minority. We can meet the majority of people with our mayonnaise range of colors which is like the biggest <laughs> lie ever i mean like nobody's shopping for the products because like you're not making any if you were to make the product then you'd see which um i think like fenty made like how much like 40 million or something yes, in the more first than 40 million yeah like in the first month or something like That's that right like in the darkest shades sold out immediately because it's like hello nobody <laughs> made it you make it and then people will buy it exactly oh my god it's like hello hello exactly and then or you just have to look at a census like the united states census is telling you by 2045 you're going to be majority minority yes race and skin tone do not correlate nearly as much as people think Mm -hmm. but regardless that means non-white people are going to be the major the majority that's opportunity that is not seven percent absolutely absolutely (laughs) and so like now that fenty beauty has come out how do you think that's impacted your mission and what you're doing because now you have like stats and like actual you know the actual ability to showcase like look this came out and look at what it's happening look what's happening now yeah it has been great for my business Mm. so before I was really building this idea and this technology in you know a corner with a couple people and investors that believed in me but now I'm at a point where I'm working with major companies Mm -hmm. 
to make the technology what it needs to be for them. Mm. And so now you have brands that have existed that are very large who are saying, okay, yep, we messed up. There's an opportunity to do better. And they have questions like, well, how many shades do I need to make? What shades should they be? How can I be credible in a space where black Twitter is going to laugh at me for being late to the game, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And that's where nudists can really be helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're focused on the technology because it's such a big problem. That's where we have to really focus. Um, But that also means that we're saying, okay, these existing brands that exist, you know, you have the supply chains, you guys work on the manufacturing, that's a really big thing. We're letting brands that people know, love, trust, um, still be out there in the market and we're the pa- the partner for them mm-hmm. to help them get to where they need yeah. on the shade matching side. So it's been great. Um, we're in an accelerator with Cody Incorporated. They're the parent company of CoverGirl. That's their flagship brand. So it's pretty cool to get to sit at tables with these managers, provide them with data that helps them make better decisions. But then also, you know, we're working on some things that yeah. will be rolling out, um, you know, in 2019. It's going to be a great year yes. um, in partnership with different companies that people know. I'm excited to see all of that come to life. Yeah. Um, where do you where do you hope to see Nudist in the next 10 years? Ooh, 10. That's I was going to say five, but I'm like, no, let's go bigger. <laughs> let's go big. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So 10 years is like a century in yeah. technology terms, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, right now what we're doing with AI is we're matching customers to existing product. But I think what we'll be doing in 10 years is creating custom product for individuals. And whether that's us or like our brand partners and helping customize their supply chains, right? So that customers get things that are individually for them. I think that midterm like five years I think that looks like a custom shade for Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. but I think longer term that's like a custom finish and coverage amount and like all these things that are like this is cat's product and literally cat's only and like no one else has it and I know what cat's face looks like and she didn't even know that maybe she wants these other little pieces to this product maybe there's some skincare as part of the the foundation Mm -hmm. that's what artificial intelligence is going to do for all industries honestly that Mm. are consumer goods like you're going to start to see a custom truly infinitely custom supply chain and i think that's what we'll be doing in color that's so exciting yeah like (laughs) you see i've never even thought that that's a possibility (laughs) yeah no for sure i mean you know amazon is king for a reason because there's convenience in not having to you know, get up and buy things, yeah. <laughs> right? And so artificial intelligence is going to help us, like, do the whole shopping thing at home. And, like, probably there'll be some, like, you know, the Jetsons. I don't know if you ever watched yeah. the Jetsons. Yeah. Up. There's going to be, like, some thing that, like, comes up in a tube in yeah. your home. And it's like, oh, did you know you need this? Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> but thank you. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you mean, like, you're out here, like, building all of these things that have never existed before you don't have time to shop for like these <laughs> these things exactly so yeah i'm here for for all of it <laughs> i want to jump into some rapid fire questions Let's with you yeah okay all right what is your favorite time of the day morning noon or night morning uh what is your favorite snack oh my gosh i have so many um jerky 
jerky Mm -hmm. what is one thing it can be a product gadget whatever that you cannot live without aside from like the nude meter (laughs) (laughs) i cannot live without chapstick Mm, i will not leave the house without it it's a good one especially during winter oh my god what's your favorite self-care routine other than therapy Mm -hmm. i go every week um i love doing reiki Mm. um and my reiki healer is a wing woman really she's amazing Miriam. i think i met her you should maybe talk with her too she's incredible um the first person i've ever done reiki with and she is incredible she is psychic i feel Mm -hmm. um i hope she doesn't mind me saying that Mm -hmm. um but i feel very connected to myself my spirituality um moving energy from my place of stress which is between my shoulders Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry this is rapid fire i'm talking a lot no (laughs) no keep keep giving us all of this education like i'm also someone who really believes in massage so if you tell me someone's just gonna like put their hands on you and it'll reduce stress i'm like what (laughs) but trust me at least it works for me yeah and also she coined this term um, of identity that we both share, which is African. So both of our fathers are African and mothers are African-American. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, you're African, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I love. But like she's helped me realize there's so much with regard to my ancestry and mm. blackness mm. and guilt and the weight of sacrifice of all of my ancestors Mm. who have done incredible things and given so much so I could be here in this room with you doing what I'm doing with nudist. She helps me process that energy and remove that guilt and believe like, Oh no, you're exactly where they sacrificed for you to be and enjoy it and make the most of it. Wow. Yeah. I get that from Reiki. Wow. I need to go see her ASAP. If there was one message that you could get out to the world, what would that message be? You're on time. You're not late. You're not early. You're in the right place, the right time. I love that. That's a great way to end this interview. If anybody listening wants to follow your journey and get to know more about your company, where can they find you online? Yes. So our website is nudist.co. That's N-U-D-E-S-T.co. We're the same thing on Instagram. And then you can also follow us on Twitter. We're nudist underscore co. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Atima. This was fantastic. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Atima is an absolute boss, and I have no doubt that she will 100% build one of the world's top tech unicorns. Absolutely. She's unstoppable, and it was truly an honor to have her on the show. As always, thanks for listening. I'm sending you lots of love, light, and good vibes. We will chat next week.